1: You know, so what's interesting is that that's the route that a lot of patients will take when they end up in cannabis, using it as medicine. So they've exhausted all their options and, you know, they want to take control of their life back over, not be kind of a slave to the healthcare system, poking and prodding and testing and medicine and da, 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 da. Some people spend years with their chronic diseases, you know, trying to figure this thing out. So when they get to the point of cannabis, it's usually based in pain. That's the number one reason people seek cannabis for their relief anxiety. And then a lot of times our pediatric patients use it to resolve epilepsy. Those are like the big ones that people go to. And the thing of it is most chronic diseases cause some sort of pain.
0: You're listening to ask nurse Alice presented by nurse.org where Alice Benjamin combines no nonsense advice with thought provoking interviews Alice Podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer here at nurse.org. And on today's episode, I have a really wonderful guest who's going to guide a conversation towards a topic that, let's be honest, has been a little bit taboo, especially when it comes to the healthcare field. And we're going to be talking about marijuana. I know that there are some varying state practices out there as far as medically approved recreationally approved and all of those things but we really wanted to kind of just break it down to what are some of those basic things that we as caregivers as nurses as prescribers need to know about medical marijuana does it work does it not work what does it work with what does it help with and you know how that might impact the rest of the care plan. And, you know, to talk about this, I definitely, definitely have the expert who's joining us today. Her name is Ashley Wynn Grimes. She is the founder of Cannabis Nursing Solutions, LLC. She is the executive director of Cannabis Patient Advocacy Association. She's also the author of children's books. Asha's Medicine and Stigmatize, which are to be released later this year, and she's a native to Baltimore, a Black female entrepreneur, widely respected by the medical profession, and was honored as a healthcare leader in 2021 by the Baltimore Business Journal. Please welcome Ashley to the show. Wow, that sounds fancy. Thank you. You are fancy, <laughs> sis. Very fancy. I love it. We need to celebrate. Let me give you your roses now. I mean, I think oh, that's thank you. That's one of the beautiful things about this podcast is we get to you know talk about anything and everything nursing related, and part of that is highlighting some of our nurses out there who are just doing the damn thing, and you are, and you know leading very important conversations, tapping into specialties that may be the road less traveled. I shared a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and how you found yourself in the specialty of cannabis?
1: Yeah. So I've been a nurse for 14 years. I've been hopping around like most nurses do. I've been in med surge, telemetry. I ended up working a transition to practice program in hospital leadership. So I was able to watch baby nurses grow in their first year of nursing, which was really fun and That's where I discovered that my thing is personal and professional development. Beyond that, I ended up working in corporate. I did performance improvement work, you know, things that have to do with money and and data, things that nurses typically don't find themselves doing often. I was the only nurse in that area, and I left there because it was unfulfilling. And the next step was to enter into the cannabis industry. It sounds like a weird next step, but it was a lot of nuance that happened in between, a lot of big life events that happened in between
0: and here I am today. Well, thank you for sharing that. And by the way, your journey is exactly what you needed to get you where you are today. I think that's so important for people who are listening because they might feel like, well, I'm here and then I'm there and I'm not quite that's where I want to be. But it's preparing you for the next yes. step to level up. So you've definitely leveled up. And let me just ask, sometimes we use the words interchangeably. Cannabis, marijuana, marijuana. THC, like, should we be referring to this as cannabis? Should we be referring it to marijuana? Should we be referring to this as THC? Let us know.
1: Yeah, know. so cannabis is the term that we should be using as healthcare providers. So, a lot of the terminology that we're familiar with has a more stigmatized history and may come from a derogatory place. So, as a healthcare provider, We use the term cannabis. It it comes from the original term for the plant itself, the cannabis sativa plant. That's what we should be sticking with, just so we don't inadvertently, you know, miscommunicate, inadvertently offend. But if you're in a social context and you want to talk about a blunt, a joint, marijuana, whatever is socially acceptable, you know, there's no shame in that either, because there's a lot of community-based you know, culture around cannabis in and of itself. So, you know, sometimes it is important to communicate based on what the culture is receptive to as well. And being aware of that as a healthcare professional, you know, being co- culturally competent in it is super important.
0: You know what I mean? Yes, I think that's really good because that's, you know, understanding terminology. So like, for example, for nurses, let me just give you an example. So if we're talking about hypertension, knowing that that's high blood pressure, right? Right. Or diabetes, knowing some cultures call the sugar. Or, you know, like right, just being right. aware of the terminology. So, when you have conversations with the, your patients or your clientele, you can follow the conversation and be intelligent about having it and knowing what certain things mean. And we definitely don't wanna be offensive to anyone. Right. Okay, so thank you for clarifying that, because I sure didn't say the word cannabis in my introduction. So, thank you for speaking yeah, no, okay um, <laughs> Can you run down a list of how cannabis can be used? In a setting that our patients may benefit from it, like what are some ailments that it can assist with? How can it contribute positively to a plan of care for someone who's, you know, tried Western medicine, they're on all these medications, these pills, and it's not they're not really finding the relief or the comfort or the resolve that they would like with those kind of traditional medicinal things.
1: You know, so what's interesting is that that's the route that a lot of patients will take when they end up in cannabis, using it as medicine. So they've exhausted all their options and, you know, they want to take control of their life back over, not be kind of a slave to the healthcare system, poking and prodding and testing and medicine and da, 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 da. Some people spend years with their chronic diseases, you know, trying to figure this thing out. So when they get to the point of cannabis, it's usually based in pain. That's the number one reason people seek cannabis for their relief, anxiety. And then a lot of times our pediatric patients use it to resolve epilepsy. Those are like the big ones that people go to. And the thing of it is most chronic diseases cause some sort of pain. Most chronic diseases cause some sort of anxiety. You know, a lot of times we like to talk about cannabis curing, so to speak, but it's not necessarily a curing phenomenon. It's really a symptom relief So, you know, for example, in cancer patients, it's big in cancer patients because they suffer from so many symptoms. So they can't eat. So they need to eat. They can't sleep. And they need to sleep. They have anxiety. And they need to relax so they can have a better quality of life. So when it comes to holistic medicine, it's a little bit different than Western medicine where we kind of want to put a Band-Aid fix the problem. You know what I mean? Like if you have a gaping wound, put a bandaid on top of it and stop it from bleeding. And now we're all better. But really, we're looking at what's the source, what's the cause, and then helping them to achieve a better quality of life. It's not going to get rid of the cancer. But can you go for a walk, enjoy the sunlight, enjoy your family while you're suffering from this disease
0: process? Okay, so it really sounds like cannabis. It's not like an antibiotic where it's going to eliminate the root cause, kill the bacteria, you know, that type of thing. But really something to add to the plan because so we can really get to achieve a quality of life. And I like how you use the example of a cancer patient, you know, especially from some of the treatments that they're getting, chemo, radiation, those type of things. Nausea, vomiting, they lose weight, they can't sleep, they're anxious, you know, all of those things. So adding cannabis to their regimen can really subside some of that nausea, boost their appetite, help them sleep better, help ease some of that anxiety, which is great when they can get it, and I will say this, because some people are going to do what they're going to do, whether their provider prescribes it or not, they're going to get right. a hold of it. So that's why <laughs> we true. as healthcare professionals, are we going to avoid the inevitable? Or are we going to get on the bandwagon and help guide their use of it? I think that's the train's going to leave the train station regardless. Let me ask about this. So in your practice and what you've seen, what have you seen with healthcare providers actually prescribing or making these type of recommendations for patients who find themselves in these situations?
1: So it depends on the state laws. So every state is different. I live in Maryland. So Maryland allows uh, physicians and nurse practitioners and even pharmacists to prescribe or certify patients. They have to go through a process. The patient has to do their thing, register with the state, and then they have to see the doctor and the doctor has to say, you know, you have a qualifying condition. Most states have some sort of process that's kind of similar. It might be more steps. It might be less steps. how tedious it it can be and you have to pay for the registration you have to pay the doctor to see you to write the certification and it's a cash-based business on top of that so it, it is a lot for a patient to have to go through especially you know if you have financial constraints especially if you're already not feeling well and you're frustrated and you know tired of going through whatever you've gone through because of whatever your illness is so it can be a tedious situation and kind of confusing if this is not what you're used to doing. And if you don't have somebody to walk you through the process, that can be a barrier to access in and of itself. And then actually physically going to a dispensary is kind of scary. For the most part, the patient-doctor relationship doesn't follow them from the certification into the dispensary. Is Now the patient has to kind of take it on their own, go in there, explore, figure out and a lot of the doctors that are prescribing, some of them know what they're doing. And then there are others who really don't know much about it. They know that this is the qualifying condition. They know that you can take it, but they won't. They don't know to educate them on the cannabinoid profiles and the terpene profiles and the different methods of consumption and blah, 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 blah. So it kind of is a gap there, which is where I feel like nurses definitely should come in because that's what we do regularly. We fill in that gap from the doctor to implementation and execution So I feel like right now, nurses don't have a huge role in the process to getting access to the
0: medication. And I think that's where we fit in. Wow. Let me back up to nursing education, because we want to help our patients. We want to see them do better and feel better. There's this whole pathophysiology, y'all. You know, it's not just take cannabis and then now you're hungry and your nausea and vomiting is gone, but it actually taps on and, you know, works on certain receptors in the body. And that's important for us to know. Where 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 do I go to even begin to increase my knowledge so I can have the, you know, the anatomy, physiology, and like the fundamentals down so I feel comfortable talking about this?
1: I actually offer a training course for nurses that goes through the history, it goes through the genetics, it goes through the endocannabinoid system. There are programs like whole master's degree programs that go into way more detail than what I do, but... I have a five contact hour course where you'll learn everything you need to know to be able to implement into your practice. Really, that's the thing, you know, and that's why I do what I do is to be able to give people access to the information that they need where so they don't have to go get a whole nother degree <laughs> to learn about it. Um, and it gives them the contact hours, So, you know, that is evidence based. And, you know, for a lot of people who are interested in, you know, making some extra money on the side, it, it's a pathway for them to make that extra money on the side. And, I you know, pair them up, they, you know, get their permission off of the products that they're able to supply
0: their patients. So, yeah. Now, let me ask this. So in your five contact hour course, you'll go over all those things. But just so I'm kind of familiar or aware of this. So I know that there are different receptors that it works on in the body. There are different strains of cannabis, which I imagine have worked better on certain symptoms than others. And then as well, there are different ways to ingest cannabis. So let's go over the ingestion part of it. You can smoke it, uh, which, you know, obviously the inhalation piece of it. You can eat it, right? Cookies, and brownies, and gummies, and things like that. Tincture drops, I think. You can put drops in your tea, and and are there oils that you can rub into your skin? Like, yes. what are the? You're can you good. tell us? You got a lot of them. Oh, I, I have. Say, I know good. something. But I'm just saying, <laughs> can you go over real quickly? Is there one modality that's better than the other? And you know, some of those basic things. So if I'm talking to a patient, and they're like, and they tell me that they have cannabis on their list, I'm going to want to know how it's ingested because I'm going to be looking out for certain things. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm going to back up a little bit because it's actually a layered approach and the methods
1: of consumption play a role into that. So the first thing that you want, you want to know as a provider is, and the patient should be aware of as a consumer is the cannabinoid profile. Cannabinoids are like your THC and you mentioned it earlier, but I forgot to touch on it. So cannabinoids are like your THC, your CBD, but there's over 100 of them, right? So all of those cannabinoids play a role in how they interact with the body. And then there are terpenes. The terpenes are things that make it smell the way that it does. It has a very distinct taste. What people don't realize is that it's a combination of terpenes that we also find in natural food products. And those also play a role in how it affects the body, okay? So you have your cannabinoids, you consider your terpenes, They affect the smell, but they also affect symptomatology. So, for example, a terpene would be something called limonene. You find it in citrus fruit, you find it in lemons, and it has a mood-boosting effect in the body, right? So if you have a a strain that has limonene in it, regardless of what the strain is, because all the strains, when they come out, they don't always come out exactly the same. Some strains may have more limonene. Some strains may have more of a different uh, terpene. That means it'll affect the body differently, even though it's the same strain right? So out of those hundred cannabinoids, what's the combination of cannabinoids, how they directly affect the symptomatology of the body, the terpenes, how that directly affects the symptomatology of it. And then the last piece of it is the method of consumption. How long it stays in your body and it circulates through your body and how quickly do you get the onset and duration? So when you're smoking it, you get a quick onset, shorter duration. When you eat it, you get a longer Period of tilt onset and a longer duration period. And you get uh, that exponential psychoactive effect from the THC. That goes from the shortest to the longest. And then in between, you have like topicals, you mentioned that, you have the, the tincture, you have inhalers, vapors, you know, all those things in between, they all have their own various onset and duration times. And based on what the profile, the genetic profile, which is the cannabinoids and the terpenes, that's how it'll
0: affect the body. Wow. That was a lot of information, guys, but please know that. And I'll say this for my ER nurses, you know, we get the the drug screen test and it'll say positive for THC. That's not enough. That is not enough information to know if they're in your ER and something's going on, how they're presenting. It's going to be important to ask other questions about the consumption or the amount and those type of things. And let me ask this question because when it comes to like dosing, I know some of you are like, well, I don't, I don't dose this. I'm not a prescriber. Okay. Well, Maybe you're not today, you might be tomorrow, but still it's still important information to know. How would I know how to dose these things? There is no science to it.
1: Not like how we're used to like start off with the twenty five milligrams of Norvask and then, you know, we'll increase it if your blood pressure doesn't get lower. It's not like that. It's very patient specific. And then it also is based on what they're trying to treat. And then it also depends on how they decide to consume it. So if you ingest it, you you need less volume of the cannabinoids than you would if you inhaled it. You see what I'm saying? So all of it is part of a big puzzle that you kind of have to pull together in relation to the individual themselves um, and how they respond to it. Because some people are really just sensitive to THC and some people just really are not. Some people respond well to CBD and some people just do not. And then the other piece of it, well, whoa, you put them both together, CBD and THC you maximize the effect of both of them in the body right so you know it's really about the comfort level of the patient what we're trying to do with that patient and then how they physiologically respond to the cannabinoid in the body the other piece of it that we have to be very cognizant the way that our laws are set up today is a patient-driven medicine medicine so they can sit here and talk to you today you can give them all the information you want at the end of the day they go home and they decide what they're going to do right like, there's no, you know, there's no, let me check back in with the nurse. There's no, let me check back in with the doctor. No, they go home and they just do what they're they going to do. So it's really important for us to give them all the information
0: that they need to make informed decisions. I agree with that. And don't feel like it's taboo. Like, oh my gosh, they should, why are we talking about this? Don't you, you have Norco, you have Percocet, you have Zofran to take for your symptoms. I'll say this I am open to you know, medicinal use of cannabis. I think it's actually very important. I think there's, even before this latest research, even though it's still limited, has come out about its impact and benefits. Ancient Chinese medicine has shown this probably even before them, I'm sure, I don't know all the history, y'all, so don't get on me. But, you know, this is something that has been found in nature and it's something that has been used throughout the years, way before we were born. And so I think the, what we're trying to do now is just better understand its use and help weave it into, you know, treatment. And I don't feel like you can't do that. Don't feel like you're drug pushing. I I remember they say, Oh, marijuana is the gateway drug to other things. Listen, if your patient is suffering from chronic illness is on hospice is not, not even, they don't even have to be a hospice, but suffering from some kind of chronic illness Listen, we really owe it to our patients to educate them to provi- so they can have a quality of life. Just because you wouldn't do it doesn't mean that they can't do it or shouldn't do it. OK, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. And it's the nurse's responsibility not to project their own biases
1: onto patients. Yeah, like we're not supposed to do that anyway. If your patient is on opioids for whatever their reasoning is, we're supposed to care for them just the same. Well, it doesn't matter your nationality, your creed, what your choices are, it doesn't matter. When you come into the hospital, a patient is a patient, is a patient. So if this patient takes cannabis, for whatever the reasoning may be, whether you agree with it or not, it is our responsibility to provide them with the education they need. If you have an obese patient that never exercises a day in their life. You're gonna be like, oh no, because I ain't taking care of you. Y'all don't do that. That part. <laughs> yeah.
0: That part. You know? Yes. You know, and this is just grazing. The top of the conversation. There's a lot more that we as nurses need to learn, and I hope that one day this actually truly gets incorporated into our nursing curriculum, so we're not missing the boat on these conversations. We can ignore it, but it's going to be an elephant in the room that we're still going to encounter because our patients, at the end of the day, are going to do what they want to do. If you are in excruciating pain, nauseous, vomiting, and the prescriptions that the nurse practitioner or the doctor gave you are not working, they are going to look for some form of relief. So let's help guide them and educate them so they don't harm themselves by inadvertently using too much. And I don't know if this is the case. I imagine there could be, because there's always some type of, contraindications. They might have an actual contraindication to it. I don't know, but we need to educate ourselves to find out. We know all of this stuff about the other medications that we give, right? And so anyways, I think that's real important that we take the first step and educate ourselves and be okay with having the conversation. So Ashley, thank you so much for being the specialist that you are in this field and taking the time to talk to us nurses and not kind of wag your finger and talk down to us about it because we're made to feel like it's a taboo topic and we should not be talking about it like, shh, why are you talking about that? And guys, I know state laws are different across the United States. And if you're listening internationally, thank you first. But, you know, I don't know the laws in other countries. We do want to be a law abiding citizens. But I'll say this, having worked in the emergency room, we've seen this. I mean, actually, the government just recently talked about what it was doing to help people who are using drugs. You know, we have safe needle programs and things like that. Sometimes we know that some people just are going to do what they're going to do. And even though it may be against the law. We still need to provide them information and we still want to put safeguards in place so they're going to be safe. So I say that to say whether it's legal, not legal, medicinally in your or recreationally in your state, you still need to do your patients the service of knowing about it and talking to them about it. They're going to use it anyway. So let's be a resource. Ashley has a course where you can learn more about that. So Ashley, tell us more about your course and other things that we can learn from you and where we can follow you and those type of things.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to back up a little bit about the legalization of it. So across all 50 States, we have a, what's called the farm bill. So CBD is legal everywhere up to 3.3% THC in product. So you can legally transport CBD across state lines, all that kind of stuff. So if your patient comes up positive with THC, it could be because they had totally legal CBD. So Yes. Uh So, you know, regardless of the legal status, if you have somebody that's come to you and, you know, consumed and didn't realize maybe there was THC in their product that they chose to consume or somebody kind of finagled the system to kind of make it appear as more THC in the product than what, what is technically legal, you need to be able to have those conversations. So I think that's a good point on the legalization over 30 states have some sort of cannabis program in place, whether it's recreational, whether it's medicinal. And then, like I said, everybody can get CBD anywhere. So, and then finding good, clean CBD is also another issue to talk about, but I can go down a rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Just real quickly though, how is CBD different?
1: THC and CBD are both cannabinoids found in the plant. So it's part of that genetic profile. So they literally extract the CBD from the the cannabis plant and put it into different products and manufacture it that way. So the THC cannabinoid, they don't like the THC cannabinoid because it has that psychoactive effect to it. And they claim that's what's the the gatewayness of the cannabis plant. But how is that one plant, you know, like, let's say you took my right arm, you took my left arm. you like, your left arm be killing people all the time, but we like your right arm. Like, it's, it's like that. It's like a whole, pe- it's one whole plant. And they actually... The cannabinoids work together, you know, naturally and are supposed to have a synergistic effect on the body. That's the way, you know, it was made to be. But anyway, we we separate the CBD. So um, according to federal law, we're allowed to have CBD and that's totally fine. And if if there is some THC in it, it can only be up to 0.3% THC in that CBD product
0: got it thank you she just schooled me y'all i'll be honest i see like the bath bombs the chapstick and everything it says cbd and it's like cbd is good but thc is bad and so i just needed to clarify that it's really all the same thing because it's from the same plants but there are just some some politics behind the difference yes, okay gotcha you got that you got that the, right okay good and so these see, these are the things that Even myself in my 23 years, 23 years of experience did not really fully understand that. I need to be signing up for Ashley's class. Ashley, (laughs) tell us more about your class and where we can go to follow you and learn and gleam from all your expertise. So I have my training courses on my
1: website. It's www.cannabisnursingsolutionsllc.com. So you can register. They're live courses. Um, The next one is March 24th. I don't know when this will be posted. So you sit down with us for five hours, you know, and we dive deep into what cannabis is, how you can implement into your practice. We talk about the history, some of the stigma, you know, we kind of break down some of the, the mindset beliefs around cannabis, because that's a huge issue, too, with us nurses. And then we talk about the endocannabinoid. We talk about the plant genetics, which I kind of glazed over while I was talking to you all today. And then we talk about actual treatment care planning, you know, and, and I go old school with it, too. I got the little care plan in there and everything. <laughs> Um, but we have the, we, at the end, we do a case study, we talk about a patient scenario. And from there, you know, I'll def, I offer mentoring support. Uh, we meet weekly and, you know, ask questions and help get people over that hump of being able to conquer some of those fears associated with communicating with people about this. Because, you know, when you're going against the grain, it's just hard to have those
0: conversations.
1: And you can follow me on Instagram too, at Cannabis Nursing Solutions.
0: Now, is this a live class? Can I attend virtually? How does that work?
1: Yes, it's live via Zoom right now. Since COVID hit, we transitioned to Zoom classes. I think in the near future, I'll do them live again, but I'm in Maryland, so it kind of limits people's access. So I might do some sort of alternating version. So we'll see how time unfolds for me.
0: Okay. And then it's open to nurses, nursing students, APNs. Who's it open to? All healthcare providers. So LPNs, nurse practitioners, RNs, nursing
1: students, too. Yeah.
0: Is there any entrepreneurial aspect to the course in case someone is like, you know what, I'm I'm here to learn about all this stuff and I would like to branch out and open a business or a service that incorporates this. Is there do you have a part two of this class or is that any of that we've been into with this?
1: Not yet. I am starting to build out a coaching program, but right now I have it just as a group mentorship thing where we just meet and we talk and, you know, whatever comes up, we talk through it and we work through it. So as an entrepreneur myself, it's been hard. So I've learned a lot of hard, you know, lessons and I'm trying my best to help support people as they go through through the process because we're nurses. So as nurses, we don't easily transition into entrepreneurship, if that makes sense. Like we're, we're we care for people. So I had mentioned, I I connect them with residual income and that's supposed to be kind of that bridge to help them get used to talking to people and make, let them focus on education. So they don't have to worry about white labeling products and doing their market research and, you know, all those kind of things, because I've already done it for them. So as soon as you finish the, the class, you're considered endocannabinoid specialty, professional, and now you can spend your time educating because that's what you do best. And then as the solution, you know, or as something that you can offer as a solution, you have this product that's already been vetted, it's associated with the hospital, it's clean, so you don't have to worry about that. You have your, your analysis already on file, and it's patient-specific, it's targeted, and I know that it works. Perfect
0: guys, you definitely want to sign up for Ashley's class. She's going to, I'm sure she's going to post it and share um, all the registration information. So make sure to go to her website and follow her on Instagram. So you can keep in touch with her. Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your excellence and dedication to nursing, helping to open our eyes and train future nurses and current nurses, how to really embrace the subject matter of Uh, cannabis and incorporate it into their care. I thank you and nurse.org. Thanks you. Thank you. No, I really appreciate you as well. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. So guys, Ashley, she's been wonderful. If you want to know more information, make sure to go to her website, sign up for her class. This is going to be some great information. I'm actually going to sign up for it because I'm interested in knowing this. (laughs) And listen, I've been in the ER and ICU and I've seen toxin positive in my primary care practice. And even when I was in nurse practitioner school, I didn't hear this conversation so much. The few times I did hear it, my preceptor at the time, who was a physician, was kind of taboo on the topic, and you know, really didn't support the patient's exploratory questions on the topic of cannabis. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Again, this is the Ask Nurse Alice podcast. Uh, Share this with your friend, your colleague, your neighbor. You know, anyone who might be interested in this topic, which. They should be interested because this is, it's going to happen whether you you know, want it or not. And, and it's an excellent addition to holistic medicine and treatment and things like that. Education is always important, even if, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not necessarily promoting this, but in some states, this is approved for recreational use. So still, we would still need to provide education, just like we provide education around cigarette smoking and alcohol use, which are both legal. It's important for us to know this so we can help guide the people who use this recreationally as well. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that I throw that out there. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Make sure to rate, subscribe, like, review, all those things on the podcast. I appreciate you. If you want to contact us, to let us know what you thought about the show, or if you have ideas for another show, or maybe you'd like to be a guest, you can email me at nursealice at nurse.org. So until next time, please make good choices, be kind to one another, and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.